Welcome back to the second episode on addressing negative thoughts. If you haven't listened to episode 16 yet, that one is called Struggling with Negative Thoughts, then pause this episode, go back to that one because you need that as the foundation in order to get the most out of today's episode. To continue, today we'll look at some practical ways to address the negative thoughts you identified. So let's dive in. Hey, sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. Do you want to overcome the wounds and impacts of childhood trauma that are holding you back in life? Do you want to get unstuck, begin thriving, and confidently living God's best in all areas? I'm Janielle, a certified clinical trauma specialist, life coach, trauma thriver, and most of all, a daughter of God living loved and on purpose. In this podcast, I'll share trauma education, healing strategies along with biblical applications and motivational stories to support you in your journey toward trauma healing and thriving. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's begin. Last week, I mentioned my experience coming from the women's retreat I attended. I said that at the retreat, I was at such peace. And two days after I came home, I caught my thoughts going into a deep dive and I began to address them right away. Admittedly, when you're starting this process, it takes time and energy to address and replace the patterns of negative thinking. But the more you practice and apply the strategies, the more automatic and the easier it becomes. Because not only would it be a habit, but there would be a new neural pathway created to deal with the thoughts in a more positive way. When I came from the retreat, I was physically tired. And when I'm physically tired or sick, I find it a bit harder to stay present and to do the mental work needed to address negative thoughts. So I've developed a regular activity along with what I called a low energy strategy to help me when I'm not actively addressing the thoughts. And I'll share what these strategies, I'll share what both strategies look like with you. First, let's look at the regular strategy. There are four steps in this for me. And as you learn and you read and you grow, you can put in different points as is suited for you. What works for me and what I encourage clients to do, actually with clients, we go into deeper depth, step by step on how to do this. But these are the main four main categories. The first thing is to identify the thoughts and its category. Next, examine the evidence for or against that thought. So what evidence do we have to support that the way we are thinking is accurate? What evidence do we have to support that we are not thinking accurately about the situation? Depending on whether you find evidence for or evidence against, then we have two subpoints. We speak truth to the situation or we use an anti-double standard action. And of course, I'll explain what all of this is. The third step is to explore an alternative way of thinking and finally surrender and meditate on God's truth. Okay, so let's flesh this process out with some examples. And because I've been talking about the retreat, I'll tell you what I did to start off. 
So I mentioned two days after the retreat when I realized that my thoughts were heading south, I needed to take action. So the first thing I did was I paused and I identified what I was thinking. This is what we did in episode 16 by identifying or knowing which of the 10 distortions were coming up. For me, on the back of the retreat, the most frequent thought category was disqualifying the positive and the runner-up was magnification. I was replaying the entire weekend and picking out what I considered to be mistakes I made and making a big deal out of them and the good things began to fade. I must say here that not every thought that comes into our head is our own, nor is it true. We do have an enemy whose main job is to steal our peace. And for many of us, he uses thoughts to bombard and distract us. I also recognize that such thoughts would probably come on the back of such an amazing spiritual experience. So knowing this, I did not beat myself up thinking, why am I thinking this way? Or I'm not past all of this yet. Mm -mm. I simply noticed and realized what was happening and I moved on to the next step which is to examine the evidence for or against. When we examine the evidence, we have two ways in which we could respond depending on what we find. We can speak truth to the situation or we can use an anti-double standard action. And I'll give you examples of where both can be used. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we have to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. We must not dwell on everything that comes into our heads, nor just open the door, the front door of our mind to let anything in and invite it to sit down. Taking thoughts captive can look like finding evidence for or against our thoughts and to continue on with the door of our mind analogy. Before we entertain any thought, we have to evaluate it. Eventually, the more you practice this, you will begin to identify which are godly thoughts, which are your thoughts, and which are thoughts that you should shut the door on immediately. In my case, when I magnified what I thought were negative things I did at the retreat, I began feeling discouraged and I began feeling guilty. I know these feelings are not from God, so I began examining the evidence. Where was that thought coming from? What did I do? Or why did I even think something I did was so bad? What evidence did I even have that my action impacted other people and should cause me to feel guilty or discouraged? This was the start of my interrogation. One of the thoughts that I had was that I was not a good listener when I was talking to one of my friends at the retreat. Because we are friends, I am confident enough to go straight to her with my concern. And guess what? That was not even her experience at all. It was not even on her radar. So there I was thinking and reacting to something that I was thinking, but was not grounded in any fact. So that one was pretty straightforward. I could let it go. What I did notice, though, is that the enemy knows what type of thoughts to put in our minds to get at us. The thought that you are not a good listener, it did continue to come up, but I recognized why it was coming up. You see, my entire career is based on being a good listener. And if the enemy gets me to believe that I'm not a good listener, 
it will begin to impact how I see myself, how I show up for my clients, and how I live out my purpose and what I believe about who I am and where God is calling me to. So you see how a simple thought like, oh, you're not a good listener, could be rooted in something so much more impacting that if we believe it, or in, in, in this case, if I believe it, it could go on to have ripple effects in who I am and how I show up in my career, in life, and in my social circles. Thankfully, in this case, I was able to speak with my friend. I did not find evidence for what I was thinking about my experience with her at the retreat, and I let it go, and I moved on. The other part of finding evidence is to look for evidence that does not support what I was believing. So I'm looking for evidence to show that believing I am not a good listener does not make sense. To frame it a different way, I'm looking for evidence to support that I am a good listener. I am sticking with the retreat theme because this is where it happened. While at the retreat, I was speaking with another friend who shared with me that she had this event coming up the following Friday, and I told her that I would keep her in prayer about it. On the Friday evening, I texted her to find out how the event went. She updated me and told me what happened, and then she added, wow, I usually don't get texts like these. So I was curious by that. So I asked her what she meant. And she said she's not used to getting someone texting her, following up and even remembering something she told them and then checking in on how it went. To me, that was good evidence that I used to speak truth to the lie that the enemy was trying to get me to believe. I am a good listener. In this scenario, I was able to hear my friend, remember what she said, prayed about it, and then follow up on how things actually went. I was able to speak truth to that lie. We've done our due diligence. There is no evidence to support the way that I was thinking. So the next step is to explore an alternative way about thinking about the situation. And this would differ depending on the situation, of course. But using my example, I am not a good listener was the thought. I realized that I had no evidence for it. And in this situation, and this is something I must point out, when we examine the thoughts, we look at the thoughts on a situation by situation basis. There may be other times, for example, where I was not a good listener, but I can't use the whole history of my listening skills to make a conclusion on the one experience at the retreat. This is where the thoughts were coming up around the retreat. So in order to process the thoughts, I narrow that down to the retreat itself. If I were to open it up to my entire experience of thinking, that would more fall into the all or nothing thinking category. So as you process thoughts about situations, be situation specific. In this case, I had no evidence to support the thought that I was not a good listener with my friend at the retreat. And now I move on to the next step. What is an alternative way about thinking about the situation? In this particular example, because it was all generated in me, I had to dig a little bit deeper to really understand how could I look at this differently? What came up for me is that I am very attached to the idea of being a good listener. 
I've not always been a good listener. And years ago, I spent significant amount of time working on developing compassion, being the type of person who sees and hear people when they speak. In addition to that, it is a very big part of my job. Sometimes I place a lot of pressure on myself to keep up with that standard. Remember, I'm a recovering perfectionist here, so bear with me. I'll continue to work on me as we all need to do. So when I think of this, I see because I'm so attached to the idea of being a good listener, it could leave open all kinds of spaces for thoughts to come in, thoughts of attacks about this very thing that I hold so dear. My alternative way about thinking about this is to shift the focus from me needing to be a good listener in everything I do, making it part of my identity so connected to my job that it becomes a main focus. I then begin thinking of the fact that everything that I do, all that I am is made possible through Christ. Yes, I need to be present and I need to give God permission to use me and to listen through me, so to speak. And I allow him to give me the strength and the characteristic that I need to support the people that I meet. It's all about God working in me and through me. So this frees me up from the need to do it all or thinking that I have to maintain this standard on my own. I'm doing all of this with Christ, by Christ, and Christ is doing it through me. And that for me is pretty freeing and gives me an alternative way of processing the fact that I'm so attached to being a good listener. The idea of looking for evidence, remember, you can look for evidence to support the thought or evidence that does not support the thought as part of the evaluation process to know if you're going to keep this thought or not. What happens if after you look at the evidence, you do find support for the thought that you were thinking? This is where we apply the anti-double standard position. Here's an example from the very same retreat. At the retreat, there was an incident where a lady asked me for something, but I was so busy and distracted that in the moment, even though I heard her, I realized later that I never did what she asked me to do. It didn't even hit me until after the fact. And I did feel a bit bad about it because it was too late. I couldn't do anything about it after the fact. So my mind went to places like, oh my goodness, she probably thought I ignored her or she probably thought I was mean, blah, blah, blah. I examined the evidence and there is no evidence that I was mean I recognize I was distracted. I don't have any evidence for what she is thinking. So I don't know what was going through her mind. So I avoid fortune telling or making up stories about what she thought about my response. Yes, I did not do what the lady asked me to do. And I can see it was because I was so distracted in the crowd in the moment. In a case like this, I say a prayer surrendering the experience and my thoughts to God, and I ask him to help me to be more present in situations like that in the future, and then I exercise the anti-double standard method. 
The anti-double standard method means that I would not speak to myself with any less care or compassion than a friend or a client who was in the same situation. If my client came to me and said, I was so busy and I heard the lady, but someone else got my attention and with all the spinning and the turning, by the time I remembered it was too late to do anything about it, what would I say to my friend or my client? So I would express care. I would express compassion. In this case, I reminded myself that I am not a person who intentionally ignores people. In that moment, there was too much going on. And yeah, I did get distracted, but my actions were not intentional. I gave myself space to be human. And now that I'm aware, and this is something I always do, I like to reflect because If I don't reflect on this situation, I don't have the opportunity to bring it to God and to exercise the grace that I know is available to me through God so that I can do better next time. After I have done these steps, I would wrap it up by choosing scripture to meditate upon because this is going to fill my mind and my heart with God's truth about me, about situations, about him, about life. It's truth. I would also repeat the scripture whenever the thought tries to come back into my mind. The thing with these thoughts is they have a pattern in our brain. So in addition to that, the enemy keeps bombarding us. Because we deal with it once, It doesn't mean in the beginning that it's just going to go away. It's going to keep coming back and coming back. In this case, we repeat scripture. We meditate upon it. Every time the thought comes into our mind, we speak truth to it. For me, I repeated James 1.19 in the form of a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that through the Holy Spirit, I am learning to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Live out your characteristics in me, Lord. And that is what I would pray over and over again whenever the thought comes into my mind. The Bible says, resist the devil and he would flee from you. Resisting is an action word. We need to continue to resist over and over and over again. And then in changing our neural pathways, we need to practice doing the good things, thinking the good thoughts so that those neural pathways would be created and the old ones that we no longer use would begin to die out. That is the standard strategy that I usually use to address negative thoughts. And I mentioned that when I am sick and tired, I don't usually have the energy to do all of the process. And this was the case when I came from the retreat. So I had to turn to my low energy strategy. And what this looked like is once I saw the thoughts happening, I knew that I didn't have the physical energy or the mental capacity to do all of this processing. And I can feel my thoughts raising out of control. Honestly, it felt like the enemy was just bombarding my mind. And this flood of negative thoughts, if I didn't do anything about it, I would just be washed into this abyss of sadness. And I was not having that, not after having such an experience at the retreat. So my low energy strategy looked like this. I called my prayer partner and I explained what was going on and I told her I needed backup. So I asked her to cover me in prayer. 
Then I queued up my dramatized audio Bible. And for the first couple of nights, I put it on just about an hour before I went to sleep. And I let it play softly enough that I could hear it, but so softly that it wouldn't keep me awake or disturb my sleep as I drifted off. Now, research shows that the brain can still process sound when we are sleeping. Plus, when I turn during the night and when I wake up intermittently, I was able to hear God's word rather than having the intrusion of those unwanted thoughts coming into my head. I slept with God's word filling my room for about three nights. And during the day, when I had time in between clients, I queued up my Spotify playlist and I listened to my favorite gospel music and I sang along when I could. That was a lifesaver for me while my body recovered, while I started to get enough sleep. I saturated my mind with God's word, with good music, and my mind began to clear up. I had enough strength to engage the regular strategy we talked about after a few days, but I did not abandon listening to the music or the Bible when I was well rested. No, I just balanced the two strategies so I could address the thoughts in ways that would bring more permanent change. Elements of this low energy strategy may or may not work for you, but I hope that by sharing it, it gives you ideas of how you can incorporate activities into your day that would be supportive for you in keeping your mind calm and focused on truth while your body rests or if you're sick while you recover. And then when you have enough energy, you can go into the standard strategy I mentioned. Sister friends, a battle is raging over our minds and we cannot afford to be passive about it. So I hope you find that these two strategies will helpful. Now it's your turn. I won't sit here and say that changing thought patterns are quick. I don't want to give you false hope, but I do want to leave you with realistic hope that if you take the time and constant effort, your thinking can change. I've been practicing these strategies for a while now, and when I first started, it did take me some time, but I'm to the point now where I can run through this process in my head. A situation like this that I mentioned in the past, it would have sent me into an emotional spiral that would have lasted for weeks before it even dawned on me that I needed to use strategies to fight for my peace. Doing the work does not mean that negative thoughts would never enter your brain again, but it does mean that if and when those thoughts do come up with practice, you can catch them early, address them, and reject the ones that are not helpful and supportive before they take root in your mind, before they change your mood or ruin your outlook. And there you have it. So I wish you every success should you choose to try these exercises. I wish you every success in getting or gaining leeway in changing those thoughts. As usual, I would love to connect with you. And we now have two ways that you can reach out. First is by joining the Facebook group. I'll leave the link for the group in the show notes. 
And you can also become an insider, a Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast Insider. And this would allow you to receive personalized email every week that includes the latest podcast episode. You'll get additional healing strategies, tips, biblical applications, so that you can get more support in your trauma healing journey. Of course, as things develop and are released, you will have early bird access to special events and exclusive offers. Always you can connect with me by hitting reply to the email. I love connecting with our insiders. So any questions, any thoughts, any feedback, any topic you would like to hear, reply to the email. If you just wanna connect, share your experiences, I would love to hear from you. To become an insider, go to subscribepage.io forward slash S-T-H podcast and fill in the form, sign up and we would be connected. I will also put the link to the sign up page in the show notes so you can go in, click and get straight to the sign up form. Before you go, sister friend, did this podcast episode encourage, inspire, or teach you something new? If so, would you be so kind as to share it with another friend who needs help to overcome her childhood trauma? And don't forget to hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a written review for the show. This way, the show can reach more sisters who need to hear it. Thank you for listening and know that I am cheering for your healing. I'll be back next week. So until then, take time to breathe and be blessed.